With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. The Franciscan Friars of the Atonement present the Ave Maria Hour. Hello, this is Father Bob Warren of the Franciscan Friars of the Atonement. Thank you for listening to this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour radio show. The Friars' popular Ave Maria Hour was first brought to the radio airwaves in 1939, recorded in New York City and on the mountainside grounds at Graymoor, a home in Garrison, New York. These timeless classic stories of the Bible and the lives of the saints came to life each week through dramatic reenactment by professional actors and actresses. You know, friends, Christ once said, Do not hide your treasure under a bushel. In saying this, he meant share your gifts, share your talents. The Friars of the Atonement feel the message in these broadcasts remains as powerful and timely as when they were originally aired, and we are so happy to be able to share them with you today. To learn more about the missions and ministries of the Friars of the Atonement, I invite you to visit our website, www.atonementfriars.org. In the meantime, sit back and enjoy this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour. St. Dominic. At the age of 33, the public ministry of Dominic began. Until he was 33, Dominic had spent most of his life in monastic solitude, weeping for the sins of others, and praying to God that a true love might be his to help in saving men's souls. The quiet routine of his life was broken in 1203, when he was selected by Bishop Diego to accompany him to negotiate a marriage for the son of King Alfonso IX of Castile. Traveling with the pomp and comfort to which they were entitled by virtue of their royal mission, the bishop's party reached the district of Toulouse. And here one afternoon they rested before entering the town. Dominic, I thought it best to delay our entrance into Toulouse until dark. But why, Excellency? Well, it's the stronghold of the latest heresy to come out of the East. Seems that all heresy comes from the East. What is this heresy? Oh, nothing new. Basically, it's the doctrines of the Persian, monies with a few innovations. Uh, monies, of course, you know. Yes. According to him, all being is divided into matter and spirit. Matter is essentially evil, spirit essentially good. Yes, it's a simple solution and therefore appeals to vague, lazy minds. 
Well, it's perhaps done more mischief in the world so far than any other form of misbelief. And the chances are it will continue, unless it's stamped out. But surely the people can see the glaring fallacy of this doctrine. Well, to us, of course, it's nonsense. But to the people of southern France, it's a religion, well organized by capable, fanatical leaders called perfects. And they've been appallingly successful in corrupting Catholics to their belief. But it's my understanding that the heretics are divided into many different sects. Yes, to date, some 72 different groups have been listed for one form of heresy or another. Then doesn't that spell their ultimate defeat? Only in theory, Dominic. In spite of the shades of differences, they have one thing in common. And what is that? Hatred for the Catholic Church. They might tear each other to pieces over a matter of ritual and then unite in a solid front against the church. But you don't fear bodily harm from them in Toulouse. Well, they haven't come to that yet. But you must be prepared for insults and even threats as we move through the district. Isn't there something that can be done that we can do? Well, not at this moment. We must complete our mission for King Alfonso. Oh, I dread going through the district with all this pomp and comfort. But surely when we're on a mission that is both official and royal, there should be no objection. But don't you see, these austere perfects live in abject poverty and go barefoot. They'll make capital of our elaborate retinue. They'll point out to their people that we parade our wealth and political power. They'll tell their followers that this is the way we travel at all times. Yes. Yes, I can understand. Well, we'll go in as quietly as possible when it's dark and leave at dawn. Excellency. In all my life, I've never seen or talked to an avowed heretic. I know. That's why I wanted to prepare you. You'll soon see many heretics. But I doubt whether you'll be able to talk to them. When it became dark, Diego and Dominic mounted their horses and led the cavalcade into Toulouse. They stopped at the first house that took in travelers and knocked on the door. Greetings in Christ. Greetings. What do you want? Lodging for my men and feed for the horses. Of course, you'll want the best rooms, the softest beds and finest wines. We did not say so. As for myself, I never sleep in a bed. I need but a place on the floor. A priest who sleeps on the bare wood. That indeed is a miracle. Please, my friend host, we're tired. Whatever you have will be agreeable to us. We'll retire early and leave early in the morning. Afraid the people will see your splendor? We're on a mission for the King of Castile. Dominic, and... if you will be good enough to show us to our rooms. This way. Since you're leaving early, it's best you pay me now. My assistant will settle the bill as soon as you present it to him. Excellency, why was the host so surly? You have undoubtedly seen your first heretic. With your permission, I would like to talk to him. But why, Dominic? To lead him back to the faith. Very well, talk to him. But be prepared for insults and failure. Who is it? 
Oh, it's you. What do you want? Isn't that feather bed soft enough? You forget quickly, my host. I'm the one who sleeps on the floor. What do you want? Oh, to sit a moment and talk with you. I'm about to bank the fire and turn in. Besides, I've no wish to talk to priests. Could you be afraid? Afraid? Why should I be afraid of you? Because you once belonged to my faith? That was a long time ago. I've seen the light since. Now, if you want to talk Catholicism to me, you're wasting your time. I know all about your faith, and I've had my fill of it. Then let us not talk about my faith, but of yours. You're not interested in what I believe. Ah, but I'm greatly interested. Why? Because if it is a truer faith than that which I now hold, I wish to adopt it. You, a priest, say this? You wouldn't change, you couldn't. You were once Catholic and changed. Why shouldn't I if I find a better faith? It's different with you. You've been in the church too long. I was enlightened before the church swallowed me entirely. Tell me this. Is it true that your holy men teach that being is divided into matter and spirit? Yes, that's right. And matter is evil, spirit is good? Yes, only the spiritual light is pure. And our physical bodies? The body is matter. Therefore, it is impure and evil. Oh, I see. Then it would follow that the supreme act of goodness would be to separate the body from the spirit. In other words, die. Oh, yes. Our perfects, our holy men, tell us that suicide is the most hallowed form of death. According to your argument, it would follow that creating life was also an evil. To multiply human souls is to multiply damnation. Hence, the sacrament of marriage is not to be observed. One of the perfects said that salvation is impossible in the married state. In order to become a perfect, one must live a virgin life. And if one is already married... Then, to achieve salvation, he must leave his wife. Well, that's logical. Well, I never expected that from a priest. Well, one can't deny logic. Certainly, if matter is evil and spirit good, matter must be destroyed and the spirit saved. But... What's the trouble? Well, I'm troubled about your first statement. If it's false, then the entire system's false. That follows, doesn't it? Yes, but my first statement is true. Well, let's examine it. Uh, well, this fire, for instance. Would you say it was beneficial to man? Naturally. It warms one, cooks one's food. Man would freeze without it. Good. Now, take this pitcher of water. Is it beneficial, too? Man could not live without water. Now, watch me. I take this water, I throw it on the fire. What are you doing? There you are. You see, the fire's gone. Now, does it follow that because the water put out the fire, that water is evil? Well, it's... it's neither good nor evil. Ah, perhaps that's true of matter and spirit. They are both good. But the perfect say... Were you not taught once that Christianity is based on a perfect understanding of the world, the... the unity of matter and spirit? I believe so. Were you not taught that Christianity rests on the creed that the divinity of God was united with humanity in Christ? It was a long time ago. I, I don't remember. Well, then you do remember this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him... 
was made nothing that has been made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. Stop it! What are you trying to do? To make you firm in your disbelief. Firm in my disbelief? Why, yes. Don't you see that to believe as you do, you must deny Christ? That doesn't follow. God made the word to become flesh, Christ the Son of God. Now, aren't you prepared to follow your reasoning to its logical conclusion? What conclusion? Flesh is matter, and according to you, matter is evil, therefore Christ has... No, don't say it. You mustn't say it. Are you, then, only one of those who pretends to despise Christianity, but still retains enough of faith not to cut yourself off completely? I don't know what you mean. I say you do. You must either deny Christ or accept him. Which is it to be? A true disbeliever or a true Christian? There is no middle way. It's true what the holy men say. Matter is evil. And you believe it? Yes, yes. All right. And you believe that Christ is evil because he is flesh. You are evil. You came to torment me. I'll kill you! What have I done? Get down on your knees and ask God's forgiveness for forsaking his son. Repent your sins. Father, forgive me. As the light filtered through the windows, the penitent host knelt before Dominic, reconciled to the teaching of the church. Diego and his party resumed their journey, and Dominic told him of his experience with the host. I would like to take up the work of conversion permanently. Why, because of your success with this one heretic? There must be hundreds like him who have strayed because of ignorance of the doctrines of the church. Dominic, Dominic, you're flushed with your first success. You don't realize how well organized this movement is. Though the leaders despise the church... They've not seen fit to ignore her methods. In what way? Well, take the austerities, for instance. Where we fast, they starve. Where we go on horseback, they travel barefoot. They never eat flesh meat. And I will do the same if necessary. What? If that is what impresses the people. No, it's more than that. Far more. The perfects hold out something for all classes. For the wealthy, they let it be known that it's evil for the church to hold property. But in the same breath. They talk of dividing this property among the wealthy. But I understand they renounce material goods as evil. If they give that same property to the wealthy, they give what they claim as evil. Yes, but they skip over that. The immediate thing is to strip the church of her holdings. The question of the corruption of the laity in receiving it will be dealt with later. Or so I assume. Well, how about the people who are not wealthy? To attract them, the perfects have opened workshops where the young men can learn a trade. But with their view of marriage and children, what appeal can they possibly make to the women of the district? That's beyond me. We can only assume that they do not carry their theory into action on a wide scale. And yet, most of the mischief is done in the home, where the women have the instruction of the children. But come, we can't tarry longer. We must complete our mission. Perhaps on our way back, we can go into your desires more completely. They pressed on toward their destination. However, when they were but a short distance from the home of the prospective bride, they received a message which changed their plans. Dominic, I just received a message. The little princess is dead. 
what we do. We'll disband the cavalcade, but since we're in Italy, I want you to go with me to Rome to report the conditions in France. Then you will return? No. With the Pope's permission, I'll go to the East to convert the Tartars. But that will mean you have to resign your seat. Yes, and I shall do so. Bishop Diego, I've read with great sadness the report of conditions in southern France, and I have your request to go to the east. Why do you ask this? Your Holiness, I feel unfitted for the position I now hold. But will you have success in converting the Tartars, who for centuries have followed a different religion? Yes, Your Holiness. No, I, I will not hear of your resigning your diocese, Bishop. I've come to this decision because I feel that the Moors of Spain and the heretics of Toulouse are much nearer and therefore have a greater claim to your charity. Yes, Your Holiness. I beg of you to hurry home. Concentrate your efforts among those who are urgently in need of correction. God speed you. The group, now much smaller, headed westward. If Bishop Diego was disappointed, he gave no sign. As for Dominic, he was eager for the trip. He was ready to meet the challenge of the heretics of southern France. At Montpellier, however, they had to listen to a tale of discouragement of monks returning from southern France. They had found arrayed against them trained and able disputants, wealth and social prestige, and the organized trade unions. Diego and Dominic were convinced that a new method of attack must be used. May I have your attention, please? Until now, we have traveled comfortably, stopping at the best inns. But from now on, we shall travel by foot, live as ascetic a life as the most self-denying of the heretics. We will beat the heretics at their own game. Dominic threw himself into the new campaign, pushing himself to excess. He outfasted the heretics at Toulouse by keeping to bread and water during the Lent that followed. As was his custom, he slept on the floor, or even by the side of the road. It was not long before the heretics began to envy his physical endurance. The monks debated publicly with the heretics. One debate lasted for eight days, but only a few converts were made. Progress was slow. Then on July 22nd, 1206, something happened which sent Dominic hurrying to Diego. Diego. Diego, something miraculous has happened. Dominic, I'm so happy to see you. A plan, a vision, a plan. Now, wait, 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 one thing at a time. You're excited. Now, calm down. Tell me what's happened. A few days ago, I was tired and discouraged, and I sat on a hill overlooking the valley of Toulouse. It was the feast of St. Mary Magdalene, and my mind turned to her. Oh, yes, 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 but you spoke of a vision. I prayed to our Holy Mother Mary for guidance in my work and for a sign at what place I should establish my apostolate. Almost immediately, my prayer was answered. In what way? It was almost dark. Out of the heavens came a globe of fire, 
It hovered about as if looking for an object over the roofs of Prouy. Trailing a blaze of glory, it settled over that, well, that forlorn church of Prouy. Now, Dominic, you say you were tired. How can you be sure you didn't fall asleep and dream it? Oh, I can assure you. Well, one is tired. Bishop, and... I went back to the same spot on two successive nights, and I was not tired nor discouraged. And what did you see? The very same thing. But how is it to be interpreted? That I shall begin my work at that desolate church, and then I will find my mission in life. We must have that church. I shall speak to the Bishop of Toulouse for you. But, Dominic, your vision has come in answer to a question of mine. Yes, Excellency. It also came on the Feast of Mary Magdalene the Penitent. The heretics have used the women to foster their aims. We must do the same. This heresy would deny motherhood to women if followed to its logical conclusion. That is a fatal weakness. Ah, then we should have a refuge for penitent women. They will be our strongest allies, for they are the ones who are the victims. They are the ones who know both the strength and weakness of the enemy. I'll go at once to the bishop and see about the property. Meanwhile, you seek out the women and convert them to our cause. Dominic saw his vision on July 22nd, 1206. By November 22nd, he had found nine converts. On December 27th, they had begun to live a monastic life according to the rules framed for them by Dominic. He delegated them to preach against the heresy. And this was only the beginning, for Dominic had built better than he knew, and he was practically forced into a wider scheme. To maintain the convent of nuns, he built a priory for his friars, thus establishing a double monastery. But soon he saw that the scope of his work must be even broader. He was convinced that the conditions he found in Toulouse were in some degree to be found throughout the world. In 1215, Dominic was in Rome and put his plan for a new order, friars, preachers, before the Pope. Your Holiness, this order should be one that will complete the care of souls with a disciplined body, active, movable, independent of local resources. It should be worldwide. It must be capable of existing anywhere and devoted to preaching the truths of the faith. A religious order grouped under one head and worldwide. This is indeed a daring innovation. The, the times demand it, Your Holiness. Heresy, in one form or another, is worldwide. And though it may be exterminated in one age, it will break out in another. You must know that the Lateran Council has just forbidden the multiplication of orders. And now you present me with an entirely new one. Only because the problem is urgent. And we are not organized to meet it. We lack mobility. We must move to the stronghold of heretics. Because they will not come to us for instruction. But we've had a very sad experience with the humiliati under Valdez of Vaudois. Because Valdez, though well-intentioned, sent out men who were not well instructed in the doctrines of the church. Through ignorance, they falsely rendered the creed and misstated dogma. We have learned from their mistakes. And how would you avoid these pitfalls? No one would preach the faith until he was trained. Then the true doctrine of the church would be taught to the people. The true faith, which people will know to be the truth, because it will be given by learned men ready to meet every point of doctrine. 
I am inclined to grant your request. The work of Rome has always been done best when she trusted her children. Yes, considering that the religious of your order will be the champions of the faith and true lights of the world, I will confirm your order. Thus, the Order of St. Dominic was established with the original motivation of fighting heresy with truth. And even today, the motto of Dominic's religious family is truth. For this word touches the magic appeal of his heart. Were we to choose a text to express the peculiar mold of his genius, we could find none better than our Savior's words. The truth shall make you free. He aimed at truth and attained freedom of soul. The secret of St. Dominic's holiness was his fast-knit friendship with Christ, who is the truth, the model of perfect freedom, the only source of life's full happiness. listening to this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour, brought to you by the Franciscan Friars of the Atonement. For over 110 years, the Friars have devoted themselves to fulfilling St. Francis' prayer, to heal wounds, to unite what has fallen apart, and to bring home those who have lost their way. We work for Christian unity and interreligious understanding. We provide respite at our retreat center at Greymoor for those in need of spiritual renewal. We staff parishes throughout the world, serve as chaplains for colleges, hospitals, and prisons. We care for the ill through hospice work, ministry to those with HIV AIDS. We also shelter the homeless and provide treatment and services for those suffering from alcoholism and drug addiction. If you would like to be included in our prayer list, participate in special St. Anthony Novenas, and or visit St. Anthony Shrine Graymore. Attend a retreat, learn more about our Ave Maria Hour productions, or simply make a donation to assist us in fulfilling St. Francis' prayer to help those in need. Please visit our website at atonementfriars.org or email me at avemaria at atonementfriars.org. You can write to me, Father Bob, Friars of the Atonement Graymore. Post Office Box 300, Garrison, New York, 10524. And so, in closing, I ask for the blessing of God upon you and those you love. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may he look upon you with kindness and give you his peace. Amen.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.